With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This call is being God. recorded. Oh, my better God, than better man. than better than after the show. We talked for like two minutes. That's true. It was it was a little longer than two minutes, but yeah. yeah. All right. All right, now we got our warm up in. Go ahead and take it away. Ah. Start the show. You, <laughs> now you have your stats up, so you don't have to have that pause. Welcome to the Fourth and Short podcast. This is Brian Beversluis, joined by John DeLong. Missing Brad, not a noticeable absence because he tends to fade in the background anyway. But it's just us two tonight, giving you guys the the rundown on the Jets versus Panthers. John, how you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I miss Brad. Do you? No, I don't. No, actually, I mean, no, actually, yeah, no. I was gonna I was, say I was lying. I was we hear just from trying. him all day, so it's not like it's not like we haven't heard from him, you know, at all. So yeah, no, he's got that. He's got he's always going on and on about that family he's got. So overrated, yeah. overrated podcast number one family. <laughs> I wouldn't put a number two, but it's, it's it's further down the list. I mean, the podcast is our brand, you know. Like your family is not your brand. <laughs> no, family family doesn't pay the bills. No. It does I mean, not. neither does the podcast, but... Hey, it can. You, <laughs> you just wait. We're going to blow up, all right? So, New York Jets, Carolina Panthers. So, probably the biggest story going into this game for Panthers fans is going to be the supposed revenge tour of Coney Ely. Um, he has, like, nine batted passes this year and, like, one and a half sacks and supposedly has been very consistent for them. Are we worried about him, John? One and a, uh, did, wait, one and a half sacks. That's all he has. I think so. I can pull it. Um, I'm not particularly afraid of a defensive end whose specialty is batting passes. I don't like, know, man. Uh, Those are incomplete passes. Yeah, and 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 I won't. I won't look back at a game and chalk it up to like, man, if we just completed a few more passes, then that would have been it. But those defensive ends. Just swatting everything we threw at him. Those darn defensive ends getting in the way. He actually has one sack, by the way. One sack. One sack and one and twelve tackles and one tackle for a loss. Jesus. So, but he bats a lot of passes, though. Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> they say that, they that's, a what, lot, that's what you draft a defensive end for, right? <laughs> Batting passes. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's it's like um. I don't even know what it's like, but yeah, it's it's. I don't even know what it's like. It's just. <laughs> It's like, it's like having a, in the second round, calling him a first round pick in the second round. That's what it's like. 
It's like that. Uh, it's like having Captain Munderland and his best trait is that he sacks the quarterback from the cornerback position. Yep. I was right. Nine pass deflections, by the way. Look at you with your stat memory. Yeah. Um, the guys I'm more worried about are Leonard Williams and Mo Wilkerson because those guys are, you know, good. Legitimately good. Yeah. And they're going to be matching up against Matt Khalil and Daryl Williams and guards and going after Cam Newton. So. Yeah, but they've, they've been better. Um, it's it's not like the beginning of the year where, I, you know, we'd see a defensive end that was good on the schedule and be like, oh, no, oh, no. Um, <laughs> poor Cam. True. Now it's just kind of like, hey, watch out for those guys. They could be a problem. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, you're right. Like, the pass protection has definitely been markedly better this year, or at least recently, I should say. Matt Khalil, that seems to be his best, you know, best thing he can do. <laughs> um, <and laughs> Williams has been Williams has been pretty much okay in all aspects. So we also get Greg Olson back, and he's going to be a big part of that, oh, and possibly Ryan Khalil too. So like for like a series next- until his neck gets another kink in his neck, and then hey, and then he's back. He's back. He's back on the sidelines. I know we're very pessimistic on this show, but I don't like being a pessimistic Patty about that. Like, no, nah. I know. I hope he's fine. I. I feel like, I mean, obviously the coaching staff isn't, and the training staff's not infallible, but if it was something they were concerned about being a continuous issue, they wouldn't keep trying to right. bring him back. They yeah. just, just throw him on the injured reserve and call it, a, call it a year. Well, we know he's like one of the bigger pass protection calling mm. centers as well. He's very intelligent. Um, and Larson was good. I mean, like, I would say average to good most games. Um, well, that's why I think it's if it's not as serious as well. It could potentially not be that serious because it's not like we have just like a, a hole at center that just is allowing defenders to run through unimpeded, and we need to, we need him back just to have a body there. Like yeah. the centers, there they aren't as obviously not as good as Khalil, but it's not like an emergency. Yeah, even Greg Van Roten was good in mm-hmm. his few spots. It's like the Panthers went from like over the last two years being like, what are we going to do about Ryan Khalil when he retires? So like, now we have two guys who are both pretty good at center. So yeah. there's it's another not a... Dave Gettleman thing, but <laughs> glad a, he's gone. A... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm not, I'm indifferent about it. Um, mm-hmm. well, Oh yeah. And the other, the other, like uh, the other thing we need to mention is the, the key player for the Jets, besides Coney Ely, is Jeremy Cash on the practice squad. Yep. Calling out all the plays. Up, he's going to be call, pulling a full Greg Olson there and getting all the plays to the Jets' offense and defense. So I'm so excited. It'll be Greg like Olsen. 11 Luke Keekleys running around on defense all week. <laughs> so they're all, they're all just like yelling out the play call, like not even trying to disguise it. They're just, just pointing things out and saying like, hey, this is what they're doing. Yeah, I know. That's what I, that's what I think too. Okay, guys. And then. Cam calls out one one audible, and then they all just yell like in unison, like it's gonna be a run. We just see the first ever eleven man sack on Cam Newton. Every <laughs> and, single yeah. defensive player sacks him. That's that the, the old Madden field goal block play. Yep, there you go. It, it does make sense. I mean, Cash is Cash was you know a pivotal part of this this defense. <laughs> I can't even say that straight. Pivotal um, part of the. <laughs> I don't even remember when we cut him. I legit thought he was still on injured reserve with us. 
So that that goes to speak for that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Panthers love collecting themselves those undrafted free agent, but like high priority linebackers. So they got like three or four to fill in for them now. Yeah, we got yeah. The special teamers that yeah. that never play, and then eventually they get called into duty and they play well, and they replace the previous backup. Yeah, the high effort like, guys that are leaders on and off the field with <laughs> with just one hundred percent motors all game. Those are the guys. We definitely have a type. It's true. David Mayo, he's like it, not an undrafted free agent, but literally that. So yeah, and then Ben Jacobs and that other new guy's name I can't think of at the moment. That I didn't even know was on the team until he committed a penalty on a punt. Yep. So let's talk about the Jets' best offensive player this year so far, Josh McCown. This yep. man has thrown. 216 completions to 313 attempts for a 69% completion percentage nice. with 14 touchdowns and eight interceptions, which may not sound that great, but it's actually better on paper than Cam Newton. Surprisingly, it's also better on paper than you'd expect Josh McCown to do for the that's Jets. That's true. That's true. Especially since his best receiver is Robbie Anderson, who no one knows. Um, yeah, Robbie he's, Anderson he's actually... and uh, Jermaine Curse are his top two receivers, aside from yeah. Austin Safarian Jenkins. Well, and yeah, Severian Jenkins is pretty good. Um, Curse was always one of those guys with Seattle. It seemed like that they have all those receivers that are not very good at average, regular, everyday receiver things, but then they'll just pull like a random cir- like circus catch out of nowhere on one of Russell Wilson's patented yeah. uh, eight-second eight scrambles in the backfield. But the good news thought... is this Sunday, we're not playing Russell Wilson. So that's <laughs> not quite. Josh McCown sometimes thinks he's Russell Wilson. There's that. I do have I do have one observation to make here. So we've played ten games this season, or I should say, mm-hmm. the Jets have so far. Yes, we. McCown has been sacked thirty-two times, which is four sacks away from being his career high in the number of times he's been sacked in a season. That's a lot of sacks. Yeah, it's a lot of sacks. Sacks per game. That's yeah. That's over fifty sacks in a season. That's like uh, top offense. Or if, if a defense does that, they're near the top of the league. At the top of the league. Yep. And Carolina just so happens to have a pretty good pass rush. So yeah, it would help for, them to get uh, into that second right now. I think. Yeah, I mean the 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 Jacksonville Jaguars are on their way to like setting an NFL record for sacks in a season. So. Mm-hmm. No, we're yeah. tied for fourth. I don't I know if we'll catch them, second. but we were second before yeah. this week, and then we got zero this past weekend. Kind of a letdown, but it's okay. Yeah, um... I was disappointed. Yep. <laughs> when whenever it's always hard to get sacks when there's no quarterback on the field to sack. It's you know? it's tough. It can be tough. Yeah. I mean, ask the teams that played us when we had like Chris Winky as a quarterback and stuff. But um, oh. we had the Wildcat was what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. Yep. Yeah, Jacksonville's got a lot of sacks. They're on pace for sixty-four. Saxonville. Yep. Can't you be bad at rushing the quarterback when you have that kind of nickname potential? True. Very anyway, true. the Jets. And Josh so McCown. This is this is probably, in my opinion, well, aside from when they played the Bucks again, um the most winnable game left on their schedule. Because they the Panthers play the Vikings, they play the Falcons again, they're gonna play Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers could potentially be back. Um, the Saints. 
So this is one that they really need to walk away with a win from, despite, you know, our, our bagging on the Jets. Like, they, <laughs> they really need to win this one because the NFC is proving to be a really tough conference this year. It's not – I don't like it. I don't like how yeah, good I mean, all the rest – I don't like being 7-3 and three and still feeling like any loss could, like, put us on the outside looking in. I didn't like that the Falcons beat the shit out of the, of the Cowboys. I didn't like that the that the Eagles came around and beat the shit out of the Cowboys the next week. I didn't like that the Saints almost lost to the Redskins and still managed to pull out a win. I didn't like a lot of things this past week. I will really say this one good thing that came out of the Saints coming back against the Redskins is that's one less team that's like breathing down our neck. Were the I mean, Redskins too- really breathing down our neck though? Were I mean they? they're five and five and they have they've had the toughest schedule in the league so far by quite a bit. So they're gonna probably win quite a few games down the stretch. So they wouldn't be they wouldn't be breathing down our necks, you know, right now, but I feel like they could get there is very easily. That's a fair point. Um Speaking of really tough schedules, by the way, I read something today. I'm going to pull it up real quick. The Jets have a really, a real bastard of a schedule left ahead of them. Um, They've so. All right, here's here's my my thing on the Jets. It's pretty funny. So ESPN had their power rankings and they added a little little seasoning to it and put a um, triumph, toss up, or train wreck for each team. FYI, in case you didn't read it, Panthers are a triumph. That's a good thing. Um, <laughs> the Jets are four and six, and they're ranked twenty second in the power rankings. And they've been—they gave them a triumph tag. Like they were thought to be so bad going into the season that four and six is like just—it's like oh, this is amazing. This is so—they're so overachieving. What are they doing? I- I was calling in the couriers earlier in the year because they had already mailed it in, <laughs> but apparently not. A, yeah, but, well, the Bills did that too. Both of them looked like they were going to be like two and fourteen, and then they just came out winning. So the Jets have on their schedule the Panthers, obviously. The mm. following week they play Kansas City. The week may or may not after be good. That, they played the Broncos, which is kind of a toss up at this point. But then they play the Saints. In then they play the Chargers, and then they play the Patriots. It's like they could very the easily lose their last six games. Yeah, like they they could be like a team that could be fighting for five hundred if they weren't thrown such a terrible schedule. So, <laughs> I will say this though: um, they've lost four out of their last five after a three game win streak, and that three game win streak was home to the Dolphins, home to the Jaguars, and at the Browns. And all of them were close games. So hey, the Panthers have played a lot of close games. So I don't yeah, know. and then that close game let kind of turn on. And their only win since then was the Bills, um, who are now zero and three with three blowout losses since they traded for Kelvin Benjamin. Just an FYI, <laughs> Kelvin Benjamin. He's just continuing to struggle to get open. Did you see separate. what happened to his quarterback when with Kelvin Benjamin as his wide receiver? No. He threw five interceptions in the first half. Oh, I did see that. I thought you meant like he got hurt or something. No, was, yeah. I'm just I'm just making a joke and attributing all the Bills' struggles to Kelvin Benjamin. I mean, I I don't know. It <laughs> it seems it's funny because like the Bills have gotten a lot of Panthers players, and we've we've thrown a few players their way, but it seems like the Panthers have gotten the better hand with most of the trades. Like 
Kalen Clay for Kevon Seymour. Now we have both of those guys on the team. And Kelvin Benjamin hasn't shown any reason why he's, you know, like a wide receiver one with the Bills while Carolina's offense is like really woken up now that they have Devin Funches being the the guy playing Kelvin Benjamin's role and putting more speed on the field. So, I don't thanks, know. Brandon. Yep, thanks Brandon, Brandon Bean. Bean. We love you. He's our sleeper agent in the Jets. Um but so I think the four and six obviously doesn't look great, but I think it's also, you know, it, it, it's it's been worse lately. And then, like, they lost to Tampa Bay before their bye week to Ryan yeah, Fitzpatrick. The Ryan Fitzpatrick-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The double the revenge Ryan Fitzpatrick. game. Yep, exactly. The double revenge game. And it was it was everything we all expected <laughs> as they – I think they threw – I think like forty percent of the passes thrown in that game were completed. Yeah, probably. Classic fifteen to ten score. Um, yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick completed fifty percent of his passes and won. Josh McCown got sacked six times and lost. Wow, that's incredible considering the Buccaneers' defense was like one of the worst at rushing the passer. Yeah, and they were the worst at not letting teams score points, and the Jets scored ten. <laughs> incredible. Oh man. But so, no, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I mentioned this before the show, uh, before we start recording. Um, the Jets are so average at like everything on a yardage basis. It's really funny. Um, yards per uh, where did I go? Yards per rush defense, sixteenth. Yards per pass defense, fifteenth. Defensive yards per play total, 17th. And I could go on. Everything is within, like, the 15 to, like, 18 range. So That's better than we would have expected. But, 19th you know. in offensive yards per play. And, yeah, I'm not – that's I'm, I, I think you've heard enough numbers. Um, it's yeah. better than we expected, but there's nothing for them to point to that's like, this is where we win. This is how we win games. This is how we – get an advantage yeah theoretically the only way the jets really have a chance of winning this game on sunday is if mo wilkerson and leonard williams take over the game and just cause so many issues for cam newton because i mean like mm. the bills were the bills damn near did that they were they were hitting him like crazy in that game and yeah it's like that's obviously a big catalyst to you know, neutralizing an offense if you're getting after the quarterback, and that's something they have the guys to do. So, you know. Sorry about the dog. She's in another room. I can't stop her. I didn't even hear her, so. Oh, well, then I'll, I'll cut this part. Um, well, because I see it on my mic. But anyway, um, yeah, that's the only thing that I can – I feel like the the Jets could turn to is that their defensive line wreaks a bunch of havoc and forces some turnovers, and then Josh McCown hits some uh, some prayers to Robbie Anderson. Yep, because they have Robbie Anderson has kind of proven to be a surprisingly consistent deep threat. I mean, I I haven't watched the Jets like extended amounts of time. I'd have been surprised if you said you did. So. <laughs> But it just seems like, you know, anecdotal. Like he's caught a touchdown in four straight games. Um, and it just seems like 
every time there's like a break, like every time the Jets kind of show up, either you know, like a cut in from another game, or when they played on primetime a couple weeks ago, Robbie Anderson just kind of shows up and makes a big catch down the field. So uh, he's McCown has been their best offensive player, and then Anderson I feel like is the biggest threat to make a big play, you know, in tandem with Josh McCown. I'm not too concerned with their running game. Yeah, it seems like Matt Forte is going to be out, so Bilal Powell is their next yeah, guy. He's, he's been underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the Panthers' linebacking core is going to wreak havoc considering that Jets' offensive line is really bad. So Here's it, here's something interesting with Bilal Powell. Um, So he's averaging four and a half yards a carry, which is fine. He only has 19 catches this year. That is interesting because he was more of the pass catching back mm-hmm. than like yeah, he had fifty eight catches last year. He's no so Christian he's McCaffrey, but you know. <laughs> but yeah, he had forty seven catches in eleven games uh, in twenty fifteen, and then fifty eight catches last year. Through nine games, he has nineteen. Matt Forte is almost doubling him up. So full reversal. There you go. Well, we we talked about. I think uh, CP was talking about how great their offensive coordinator has done to make Josh McCown seem like a good player, and that made that offense not historically awful. That's just yeah, that's I the read one. The specific words that I saw from CP is quarterback friendly, which is mm-hmm. you know good when Josh McCown's your quarterback. <laughs> the quarterback friendly is very important. It's just interesting that uh that means Paul Powell is not. Is gotten kind of phased out of the passing game. Well, I mean, like it's not like Matt Forte is a pushover in the passing game. I mean, oh no, no, no. he's in very, his very, heyday. He was really good as a receiver. Out yeah, of the and he's still reliable. It's just Matt, Jeremy, with as as good as Blal Powell has been in recent years at that. I would have expected him to be catching all sorts of passes, especially with these last few weeks. How much they've been trailing. Yep, losing games. It lends itself to. Uh, teams allowing running backs to rack up catches against them. And that well, one thing really I have to give to Josh McCown over the last few years, no matter how bad he sucked, is he's willing to push the ball down the field. Oh, yeah. He's, he has no fear of pushing the ball down the field. Yeah, he's not captain check down like Jimmy Clausen was. He will push the ball down the field. So that could explain it a little bit. Or, or um, like his brother. Oh, that's true. Uh, Luke McCown. Yep. Yeah, last time we played at McCown, it, it was pretty scary. Was that the last? That was the last time we played in McCown, right? I think so. Yeah, like we played Josh Simpson. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 that was 2015, and the last time we played in McCown before that was Josh McCown when he played for the Bucks, and he had that hilarious interception by Roman Harper where he just like threw the ball up like five feet in the air <laughs> away from him. That was funny as shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Josh McCown trying to trying to finally. Make a mark on the Panthers for his <laughs> for his family. For his family. <laughs> for his family. The McCown the McCown versus Panthers curse. Luke is gonna be watching just like, come on, Josh, you got this one. Take those yep. boys down. Take those Panthers down. Pound them into the ground. Um I would say the biggest thing to watch for this week is gonna be Greg Olson's involvement. Because yeah. the offense is quite a bit different than it was before he got hurt. And I'm curious to see how they use him now. I mean, I like Ed Dixon was successful, more successful than I would have expected in 
the role that Greg Olson essentially played. So I would hope that mm-hmm. he's going to slide. I'm pretty sure he's going to slide right back in and be a tight end one like he's supposed to be. But yeah. you never know coming off those foot injuries. I'm Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm also – he didn't really do anything in the first game, which was obviously before the offense to kind of started clicking. Yeah. Um. So we haven't. He's so he's got three catches on the season for twenty eight yards. So we haven't really seen like we haven't seen Greg Olson since the end of last season, really. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm excited to to get him back. It's it'll be really it'll be really nice to see him back on the field again. Um. And I don't see any way that this makes the offense worse. Like we talked well, about, Kelvin Benjamin being like an addition by subtraction thing or subtraction by addition thing in a way. Um, Greg Olson does everything better than Ed Dixon. And so there's, I can't imagine this does anything but improve the offense even more. Well, one point I want to bring up too is, uh, Kelvin Benjamin this year was really, when he was with Carolina, really his best plays were like those contested catches where like he was getting a few yards extra just to get the first down. It wasn't like mm-hmm. he was beating people deep or like getting wide open, and Greg Olson does that better than him. So getting wide open, you mean? Yeah, like yeah, Funches, yeah. like Funches is somebody who seems to get open on his own physical merits at times. Where like yeah. Kelvin Benjamin seems like he was constantly having somebody draped over his back. So it's having actually Olson back, true. having Olson hey. back as someone who can get open for those kind of plays where you just need him to catch the ball where he's at. He's gonna be great for Cam Newton. I'm just I'm just so excited for the next time we see Greg Olson running through the seam and Cam hitting him in in stride for a touchdown and it and not being Ed Dixon to let it bounce off his hands. <laughs> or not being Ed, Ed Dixon to get hawked out by a defensive Ed, back. Ed Dixon has been good in, in Olson's absence, but I there are some he has had some bad drops in his time here. Yeah. There's a reason why you, he's not a pro bowler, so yeah. Well, what you were saying um, about the uh, like Kevin Benjamin always having people draped all over him, he is like statistically has averages like the least amount of separation. Alshon Jeffrey's the one lower than him in amount of separation when targeted. Jesus. So yeah, and Alshon Jeffrey's yeah. a little bit better at you know attacking the football and high pointing it and stuff. Well, the thing about it too is like Kelvin Benjamin, most of his routes were run out that where he played those kind of routes were out of the slot. Mm-hmm. It's not like Olsen can't do that. You know, no. like Olsen can pretty much do a lot of the same things Kelvin Benjamin can, minus the fact that he's not 6'5, 260 pounds. But, you know, he can still do a lot of the same stuff. He provides a lot of the same skill set on the field, but he can also get open a lot easier. So, yeah, that's going to be a boost for Cam Newton. Mm hmm. And and it won't. It's not like we're adding like a Jimmy Graham to the offense, where it's like we're sacrificing run blocking for improved pass catching. Like we're not. Right. There's probably an improvement in run blocking with Olsen coming back, even if not for like the physical prowess, which I think he has. But it's just his his intelligence as a as a football player. Yep. Good old Thor. Yep. Gonna yep. have him back on the field. Yep, and we uh. We saw that intelligence when he was stealing all the plays from the Vikings on Sunday. Yep. Got a whole folder full of Vikings plays. So that's Let's a talk about that next, next week. week too. Yep. I can't wait. Uh, we really have to have a Vikings guest on because I want to ask them about that. Uh, that's going to be funny as shit. Be like, <laughs> are you can like, are you upset that you already know you're going to lose this game because Greg Olson knows all your plays? <laughs> 
Are um, you guys ready to be completely <laughs> dominated by the Panthers' defense because they the defense is going to know everything you're doing? Are you I'm ready for that? I'm mentally prepared for the Panthers just mirroring every Vikings movement because they know everything that's coming because Greg Olson watched your game. I'm just waiting for that, like, one interception by Luke Keekley where it's like he makes, you know, a Luke Keekley play. Uh-huh. And the next day, they're like, Luke Keekley knew that was coming because of Greg Olson. That's what I'm waiting for. Did you did you hear Greg Olson speaking of that, uh, doing his thing? Like, did you hear him doing the, any play-by-play? No, I didn't. He's pretty good at it. I can see that. He's a well-spoken guy. He's no Tony Romo. Oh, man, Tony Romo. By that, I mean he's not super annoying and yelling over Jim Nance at all times. No, Tony Romo is classic. I hate, so. I hate listening to Tony Romo. I'm so I'm in the minority. He's right I up know. there with John Gruden for me. So, yeah. is it a good thing or a bad thing? Great thing. See, I like John Gruden. It's just like Greg Olson is like all of the knowledge of Tony Romo without the like shouting and yelling and bad jokes and forgetting that he has another person in the booth that's trying to speak. I don't know. John Gruden makes a lot of bad jokes. He does. You're, you're he does. overselling him a little bit here. Oh, I'm talking about that's Greg Olson. Greg Olson doesn't didn't didn't make any bad jokes that I heard. That's good. It's always good when your tight end isn't you know embarrassing your team. We, we, so. we don't want any cringeworthy joke makers here. Only <laughs> funny guys. Yep. Funny or guys that don't try to be funny. <laughs> uh, well, I think we've pretty much exhausted the. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of – we can't go into too much depth because we're not Jets fans. We haven't watched the Jets because why would we watch the Jets? Yeah, Josh McCown's their quarterback. I mean – Yeah. So, I guess I'll end it here with – hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Um, We will be back next week after the Jets game and continue our two podcasts a week pace as long as Brad decides he wants to – come on and talk to us so but yeah from all of us here at the oh actually you know what i will bring up one thing apparently t-shirts may be on the way for the fourth and short podcast so really yeah that was a topic that was in the slack chat that you're in earlier um but yeah there will be was it between us and brad or was it between Between me you and brad yeah um it's okay but yeah we may have t-shirts here on the way um so if you support us and don't want us to starve, maybe, you know, buy a t-shirt or two. But Buy a t-shirt, like give it to your dog to use as a bed or something. Yeah. Or wear it. Use it as a bed, use it as an umbrella, use it as like a dry <laughs> like rag a... when you go to the gym and you need to wipe your sweat off. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, to, to, to uh, you know, wipe your car down after you wash it. Um, that's always a good idea too, yeah. yeah. There's all sorts of uses. It's a versatile product. Yep. So... Buy our t-shirts, listen to us more, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Tell, tell other people to listen to us, too. Yeah, do that. Force them to. <laughs> just, just like, just bring them in a room, make them listen, but... But, but... but not only that, like, make them listen on a different device than you listen to it on. That's true, that's true, that helps us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you for tuning in. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody. This is me and John, and not Brad. Wishing you all a great holiday, and we'll talk to you later. Happy Thanksgiving to not everybody but Brad. There you go. Later.
Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.